And let's turn in the scripture to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, that's where we'll begin today. Um, Over the last few weeks, we've been doing something kind of unique. We've just been going week to week, but I'm going to round out somewhat of a series this week from what we've been doing the last two weeks. And so last week we had... um, Last week we had a time of worship where we just, we just spent the whole time worshiping God, allowing his presence to fill our lives, and, uh, and it was part of really what we have, really what we've believed since we started, and that is that the presence of God has the power to transform people. And there's three, three values, three core concepts that we have um, been recognizing and highlighting in our church since we began four and a half years ago, and they are presence, relationship, and mission. And last week, we just spent the whole time kind of just hanging out in God's presence. And here's what God's presence means. It means that God is present. He is present with us and in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, that he dwells within us. And when he dwells in us, he whispers who, who, to us who he is, who we are, who, where we should go, gives us direction. He gives us power to be able to transform our lives and to share the, the message uh, of light and life with others. The presence of God is a very important thing for all of us to embrace and to recognize that we carry him. We're the carriers, the couriers of his presence. And then the week before that, we kicked it off with... Um, with Connect Group Sunday. Connect Group Sunday is all about relationships. It's all about connecting with people. It's all about being willing to live in a community of Christ. Relationships are very important because Christianity cannot really be practiced as an isolated and individualized spirituality. In our current modern day culture, we think very individualistic and and so it's hard for us to really give up time or give energy to uh, people who, who we're meeting for the first time or finding a way to create community. But I, I just want to encourage you, there are connect groups going all over this, the city. And in fact, this, this will be the third week that they've met, this week. So there's been one week and then a second week. But here's how interesting it is. I was talking to several connect group leaders, and the first week they had a certain group. And then the second week, some of those first people couldn't come. And the second, the, the second wave of new people came that second week. Look, it's not too late for you to jump in. My wife had 15 people at her meeting on Wednesday night the first week and then last week she had 30 Um, so there's people I mean just it it takes time sometimes to get the commitment out there doesn't it right and to and to say okay I'm gonna do this what I want to encourage you to do is get connected to people you cannot practice this faith alone it doesn't work that way. We grow, we mature by being in community with others, by the word of God having its work, by the Holy Spirit being present. And so so, um, so just jump in this week. You can check out at onechapel.com. You can look, look at where they all are over, over around the city. So presence, relationship, and then today I want to talk to you about mission. And I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes, and I want to stimulate your thinking about what it means to live on a mission, and more than that, to create a movement where God's people are doing something that really is a byproduct of loving Him and being consumed by Him. 
I want to talk to you about movement and mission today, and I'm going to use this phrase, and I want you to I want you to embrace it with me because I want this to be the culture of one chapel and we're committed to this idea and it is the idea of helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. We had an illustration of that this morning with praying over Nate and Shannon as we're sending them out. But there is, there is this, this culture that we need to create as a church that we must help people move from where they are to where, they want, where God wants them to be. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but people get stuck. They just get stuck. They get stuck in their lives. They get stuck in their career. They get stuck in their marriage. They get stagnant in where they are in their relationship with God. And sometimes they need, they need to move. In fact, I think it's impossible to stay where you are, right? Like I, I, coach, <laughs> I coach young adults about this all the time when they get involved in a person's life and they start dating or whatever because relationships either go forward or they go backward. They never actually stay the same, <laughs> right? So, so, so this, this idea of, a, of, of getting stuck, it often means you're going backwards. And so I think our job as God's people is to help people move, get unstuck, is to embrace what God is doing and that as we do, we, we become a movement of people that are bringing them along with us. And I want you to think about how that works. I'm going to give you four ideas of how to move. How to move forward with God. How to move other people forward to help them be where God wants them to be. The first idea that I want you to see is that we should move with God's love. In order to help people move, we've got to be full of God's love. We've got to be full of the love of God. We've got to have confidence in his love in our own lives because then that's got to spill out into other people's lives. Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And he said this in Mark 12, 29. He said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, that's called the Shema. It's from Deuteronomy 6. It, the Shema means, the word it means hear. Hear, hear who this God is. Listen for who this God is. He, sa he says, he quotes it, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your, what does it say? You gotta love God with your heart. You gotta love him with your intellect. Christians don't check their brains at the door we study the scriptures, we discuss it, we articulate it in a life-giving way. We surrender our emotions to God. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you get rid of your emotions. We, st we still get angry, we still get upset, right? We, we still go through things. All you gotta do is read the book of Psalms to see that this is true. But what you do with your emotions is you surrender them in love to God. And you lay them down before him and you love him with them and, and you use your emotions to push you to where he is. And we love him with our strength, with our bodies. And he said, and then he, he could have stopped there. He could have just said, all right, that's it. There's, there's the commandment. That's all you need. But he didn't. He said, and the second one is this. You got to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Could it be that Jesus was not just being metaphorical could it be that he actually meant love the person who lives next to you as a way of practicing your faith? 
We have to love people where they're at. And often people are difficult to love, right? That's why God gives us kids. Right? We think, we, think that, we think that, like, as parents, it's our job to make our kids into adults. But we all really know that what happens is God gives us kids, and they make us into adults. <laughs> they force us to become mature. I want to suggest to you today that moving with love means you move towards Jesus and you move towards others. That you move, that we're moving towards Jesus and towards others. That our lives are always moving and we're moving for more of Jesus. We're moving toward more of him. We're moving towards others in our lives. This is what we're called to do. And the truth is we can't stay where we are. We can't stay here. We have to move. We can't stay where we are. We have to move and we have to move forward. We can't be stagnant. Have you ever been, to, been hiking or something? You happen upon a, a, a pond that's got all this scum on it and all this stuff. It's like sitting water and you think to yourself, oh, I really want to drink that. No, you don't want to drink it and you shouldn't drink it. It's stagnant water. The place to drink from is the moving river, the bubbling brook. Let me suggest that our lives need to move in order for our faith to become what God wants it to be, for it to be practiced well, we have to move, and the first thing we have to do is move with God's love. We have to, we have to move towards it, and, we, and then we have to allow him to use us to, to love others. And, and sometimes, I mean, let's be honest, people are difficult to love. I was just on a trip this week, and I, went to, I got to go see... I went to North Carolina to meet with a bunch of pastors, and I got to go to a Duke basketball game. <laughs> Bucket list. Check it off. And it was so cool because they, it, Coach K had not been home, had a home game since he won his 1,000th game. And so this was the first home game. So they had a huge presentation after the game, and they wanted, this was his 1,000th and second win and so they had this whole presentation and he stood up and talked impromptu for like 10 minutes it was gold it was amazing I learned so much from that guy he's such a great leader I'll, that's another sermon some of you are glazing over you have no idea what I'm talking about it's college basketball people March Madness it's coming yeah what was I telling you oh <laughs> but I digress so I got, I got off the plane in Austin, and, or in Houston, actually. I had a connecting flight, and I got off the plane in Austin, and I had to gate check my bag. Gate checked my bag. You know, you put this little, tie this little tag on it, and you check it right there at the end of the jetway, right? So they, they take it down the stairs and put it underneath, because I didn't want to check it. I want to carry it with me, because I don't want them to lose it. Get off, the, get off the plane in Houston. I'm standing there on the jetway with all these other people. They're bringing up the bags one at a time. Everybody's taking their bag, and there's about 13 people left. We're all standing there, and they stop bringing up the bags. And, I, and I'm like, this is why you don't, this is why you gate check and don't just put it through the system. So you don't want to lose it, but they lost our bags. And the guy comes up, and he's like, well, I don't have any bags. And he, 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 was, he, he was looking for them. And then he, then he came up to each person and asked us for our tags, 
which if you're a traveler at all, you know that once you hand over that tag and it mixes in with all the other people's, you have no way of knowing what your tag number is with your bag. So it's even harder to find it. So this guy made a major biff, and everybody came unglued, mad, angry, like just all these nice people. They've been sitting on a plane with them. I've been sitting on a plane with them for like two hours, and they were nice and happy, and they're drinking their little drinks, and they get off the plane, and they can't find their bags, and it's like, <laughs> it w I mean, I was, I was like in a way shocked, but what I realized is once you get to know people, Right, Because what that did was, it's one of my favorite sayings, situations don't make you or break you. They simply expose you for who you are. Sometimes it's hard to love people. I just started being pastor, right? I was like trying to come up with solutions, and I was talking to the, to the, to the uh, airline person. I, I wanted to say stewardess, and I knew that wasn't right. Attendant, and, I, and, and so... Um, we're talking about what to do and how to find our bags and because I had a connecting flight and how was it going to work and here's the good news. The, evidently, the airlines lose bags all the time. <laughs> so they, they have ways to find them. Anyway, so I was coaching everybody. I was like, this is not that big of a deal. I like those clothes, but this is not the end of the world. For some people, it was the end of the world because they're consumed with stuff. Your neighbor may be consumed with stuff may not be easy to love. You may go to a group with somebody who's in process. You may go to connect groups and find some people who are not as good as you'd hope they'd be. <laughs> Can I suggest to you that this is God's work in your life? That you, are, that you are going to move from where you are to where God wants you to be because you're gonna, you're gonna walk with some people? See, because, because we've gotta move We've got to move towards God and towards others. And one of my other favorite sayings, velocity is nothing, direction is everything. Velocity is nothing. You don't have to go fast. It doesn't have, you don't have to speed, but you do have to move. And when you go with someone else and when you're helping them move, guess what? You've got to move with them. You've got to go with them. You grab them by the hand. You walk with them. Number two, the second thing that we have to understand about moving is we have to move with God's purpose. God has a purpose. We have to be intentional about what we're doing with other people. Loads of, loads of Christians in American culture just kind of meander their way through life instead of being intentional about what God is doing. They just wait for God to show up. They just wait for something to happen, and then they get stuck or they get frustrated. God calls us to be purposeful. Look at Matthew 28, 18. It's in your message notes. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everybody say go. go. The way to interpret this as you look at the original language, is he, he, it sort of suggests that as you're going, you're going to go. The expectation is you're moving, you're going. You've got you to gotta move, and as a believer, you're, you're going, and as you go, you've got to make disciples. You've got to make disciples. Hey, at the end of the day, the only thing that really, that really makes a difference, that makes our church successful, we can have numbers, we can have influence. The, the thing that makes us successful is whether or not we're actually able to make disciples, like followers of Jesus. He says, he says, I want you to make disciples of all nations, 
all cultures, whatever, and the way you can interpret this is, wherever, whatever culture you find yourself in, you gotta, you gotta be purposeful and make disciples. So you typically have one culture at your home with your neighbors. Then you have another culture with your family, your extended family, and some of those uh, friends. Then you have work culture where you have to interpret, and, and we live in these different spaces, and we have to be purposeful as God's people. Well, Pastor Ross, I'm just so tired all the time. I'm just, yeah, this is part of the problem with our culture, right? We're consumed, we're busy, we're, we're just going, 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 and we stop being purposeful about what God is doing. If we're going to be a movement, if we're going to be a mission organization, then we have to be purposeful about what we're doing. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Look, you can, you can teach somebody who doesn't know anything about God if you just explain these three concepts to them. It's a mystery, a bit of a mystery. The Trinity is, but, but if you explain to them the love of the Father, the sacrifice of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're on your way to being really intentional with them and for them really understanding who this God that we serve is. He says, you have baptized them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then I want you to teach them to obey. Teaching them to obey. Uh-oh. This is the hard part. What I want to encourage you to do is we have to teach one another. We have to teach one another. In our American society, we are hesitant to teach anybody except maybe our own kids. Because we have this thing in our culture, it's individualism, like, uh, who am I to tell anybody what to do? That's just a bunch of false humility. Who am I to tell people what to do? Listen, here, as God's people, what we're looking for, and if, if we want to gain, we want to gain trust, and we want to gain some influence, and the way we do that is by loving them just like they are. Loving them just like they are. And then being willing to share what God has put in our hearts. Please, please don't let the culture consume you by saying you can never tell anyone else about your faith or it's somehow stepping on their toes. Most of us have started to believe that it is uh, an inconvenience to others and a, uh, a, 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 a hurdle that we should not cross, a boundary we should not cross with people. And you know what it's undoing? It's undoing the mission of God. I think we have to love people, and I think we have to be purposeful. I think we have to figure out ways to become part of God's plan and purpose in our lives. This week I was at another uh, pastor's meeting, and it was a training session in Austin. Oh, like 1,300 pastors and, and leaders uh, were were meeting together, like staff members and, and team members of churches, and, and they met uh, up north, and, and we talked about a, an initiative we're going to do later in the fall. It's going to be called Love Where You Live, and we're going to highlight, and we're going we're gonna to bring up in significance, we're going to talk about more and more how to love our neighbors well. And it was so amazing, and I, 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 I learned about this lady there named Kristen, uh, Kristen Shell. And Kristen Shell did something that she, she told her testimony. She, she created a, a turquoise table. She bought a picnic table from Lowe's, and she put it in her, painted it turquoise and put it in her front yard as a way to en engage just neighborhood dialogue. 
She put it in her front yard, and then she, she'd go out there and work. She'd go out there and, and, and drink coffee. She'd go out there and do some stuff. And, and wouldn't you know it, it only took 24 hours. Somebody walked by, one of her neighbors, said, what are you doing? Sat down with her, and it was a pivotal moment in the life of her neighbor and her. She began to tell her all these things that are going on. Sat down at the table. Here's what I want to challenge you to think about. But would you, would you think about being front yard people rather than backyard people? Think about being intentional because you're the people of light. You're the people of God. You're the people who have a solution within you. God's purpose coming out of us. Be intentional. Be strategic. Be attentive to what's going on around us. Number three, move with God's story. Oh, I skipped some stuff, didn't I? Here, uh, let me give you the answers. No matter what culture you find yourself in, you've got to share the gospel. I actually did cover that, but we missed it on the outline. And then, and then teach others how to obey, not just what to obey. Most churches, most pastors, most people who are Christians, they tell people what they should do instead of showing them how. Best illustration of this is teaching my kids to brush their teeth. You've heard me say it before. I'm, I'm teaching them the benefits of good dental hygiene. I'm threatening them with the needle at the dentist's office that's going to go into their gums if they don't brush their teeth. I mean, I'm telling them all this stuff, but what do I find myself doing every night? Looking at them and inspecting how they're brushing their teeth and saying, no, no, that's not good. No, no, you're not, you're not doing that good enough. You've got to go up and down like this. You feel that? You feel that? That's, that's what, all the way back here. That's, what, it, what that is is not just telling them what to do. It's showing them how. It's modeling. It's living your life in front of people. This is what we're called to do. Number three, you've got to move with God's story. You've got to move with God's story. Not only, not only, God's story in the scripture, but God's story in you. God's story in us. Jesus was famous for telling stories. You know what he did? He, he told three incredible stories in Luke 15. He told the story of a lost sheep, story of a lost coin, and the story of a lost son. And he's telling these stories, and, and, he's, and he's telling the story of the, the shepherd who goes and leaves the 99 and looks for the one sheep. And as he goes and, and finds the one sheep, he calls all his friends together and says, rejoice with me. I found the one. And Jesus says in that passage, he says, now this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Because all of heaven rejoices more. There is, he says it this way, there's more rejoicing. Everybody say more rejoicing. More, more rejoicing. Okay, there's more. <laughs> there's more rejoicing over one who repents than over the 99 who stayed. This tells you where the kingdom of God leans. It leans towards those who are lost. He tells a story about a lost coin where a woman can't find this coin and she turns her house upside down and finds it and then she calls her neighbors and says, let's throw a party, I found it. In other words, let's spend it. She, so, so Jesus is telling this story about this is how the kingdom works. And then finally he gets to this incredible story about a son who takes his father's inheritance. And he squanders it in crazy living. Finds himself at the end of himself in a pig pen. Doesn't have any of the things that his father provided for him and realizes he needs to go back home. He comes back home 
is going to be a servant in his father's house because he eats better than he is just as a slave here in this pig pen. His father doesn't even let him get words out and he embraces him and he dresses him in a robe and gives him the, ro the ring that he has that signifies authority and he, and, he, and, he, and he throws a huge party for him, kills the fattened calf and then of course the older brother he gets mad. You're spending all this money on your son. He's already squandered all your, all your inheritance that you gave him. What are you doing? There's a little, there's a little thing at the end of that story, a little, little phrase that says, son, you have always been with me, he says to the older brother. The father says to the older brother, you've always been with me. And everything I have is yours. One son just wanted his inheritance and went out and squandered it, didn't think he'd get any more. And the older brother, who was mad at the way the father was treating the younger brother, didn't realize what he had. Can I challenge you that we need to be the people Right? The people in our church, one chapel needs to be a place where there is a perpetual party. I like this word, perpetual party. Why? Because lost people are always being found. Now let me challenge you about this word lost. It's not lost as in clueless or stupid. It's lost as in the wrong place. The coin was in the wrong place. The sheep was in the wrong place. It was in danger. The sun was in the wrong place. We don't want to, we, we never want to be insulting as God's people. And our language sometimes has mistreated people. We've said the wrong things to them. We use our little Christian language and then they, they get offended by it. Listen, I think we have to be careful. We have to love people where they're at. We got we to be strategic and purposeful in the way that we share our lives with others. And then we got to share our story. Look, <laughs> the real point of number three is tell what God's done with you. Tell what God's done in you. Tell your story. Tell what happened to you. Tell why you believe the things you do. And say it in a way that's meaningful. Now, wait, 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 wait. Don't just go all over the neighborhood and start, you know, being the talker. First, you ought to listen. Because love is best expressed through listening. And then you can tell them about your story when the moment is right. You need to tell your story. And then finally, number four, move with God's power. Move with God's power. We're moving. We are, in, we are active. We are moving ahead. We're moving with God's power. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I love this passage. I'm just going to read it there on your message notes. But we have this treasure. What treasure? If you look back at the context, it's the treasure of Christ, the glory of God in the face of Christ. He just gets finished saying this and how he's, he, we're trying to reveal the light of God to everybody. We're trying, we have this ministry and we don't, we, we, we don't, we don't hold back. We don't use deceitful ways. He's, he's saying we, we, we tell the truth plainly. We share it plainly. And he gets through with this list of things and how they share the, the light of the gospel with people. And then he gets to verse 7. He says, but here's the catch. We have this treasure in jars of clay. The treasure of Christ is contained in an imperfect vessel. Remember, there's two ways that Christians sometimes act. And one is um, a little too full of themselves. <laughs> and the other is a little too fearful that they don't have what they need. 
to share the gospel. Can I just encourage you that you have everything you need? And it's not you that really has the power to do it. It's God's power living in you. Check, what this, check out what this says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, why? Why does God put it in a jar of clay? Why does he put it in an imperfect vessel? So that everybody can see that it ain't you that's doing this thing. This is, everybody can see it's not me. It's one of the really bad things about pastoring is people put, people, people put you up on a little pedestal. That was hard to say. People put you up on a pedestal. And they think you got it all together. Look, I, I'm working through my life just like you're working through your life. And Jesus' grace is just as real for me as it is for you. And we need to be the people that believe that there's a power in us that's greater than ourselves grace and mercy from God that lives in us, that shows people that this, what's going on in our lives is not from us. It's not willpower. It's God's power. It's not our power. It's not from God. It's from God and not from us. And I want you to say this with me. I want you to commit to this last phrase with me. I want you to commit to, to being the church, being a church that says, I'll let people see the power of God in me. Put your pen down, put your paper down. Just, just think about this for a second. Close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to think about how are you going to let people see the power of God in you? What does that look like? Come on, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Just kind of bow your head. Just, just settle yourself here. We're going to go. Just a moment. But how, how, do you re how do you let God's power out? What is God asking you to do as his child, as part of his family, to be part of a movement, to move towards him and towards others? Could be you, you'd come up with a crazy idea like painting a picnic table turquoise and putting it in your front yard. You know what the crazy thing is? Turquoise tables are turning up in every neighborhood in cities all around the country. How will you let people see the power that lives in you? Oh, Pastor Ross, I don't even feel like I have the power of God in me because I've been so, I've, I've just been so far away from it. I've been consumed with my own life. I've been doing my own thing. In fact, I've been stuck. You know, you talked about being stuck. I'm stuck. If you're stuck today, this is your moment I don't want you to be trapped. And God doesn't want you to be trapped where you are. He can unstick you. He can, he can push you forward. We can walk with you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going uh, to call you forward. But I, I do want you to say, yes, that's me, Pastor. I need, I need to get unstuck. And if that's you, just raise your hand in the air and I'll say, pray for me, Pastor. Yep, I'm stuck. Anybody else? Yep, all over the room, there's people raising their hands. Anybody else? Come on, just don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Just, this is a community that loves you. Just say, yep, that's me. Yeah, good, good. Yes, let's get unstuck. Let's get unstuck. Let's move. Let's move toward where God wants us and let's move towards others. 
Now, all over the room, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. You're challenging us even as the scriptures come alive to us, as we see what we're called to. And some of us are afraid of it because we don't feel any power in our lives. But Lord, right now, I ask for your power to be displayed, to be revealed, to be poured into every heart and life in this room. Each of us, Lord, we just need you. And so as we say yes to you, we give up control of our own lives. We repent of our failures and our, uh, the things that we've done to <laughs> cause us to get stuck. Lord, we, we ask you to heal our hurts that's caused us to be stagnant. Heal our hearts. Heal our souls. Send people to walk with us. Help us to walk with others. Give us courage. Give us power. Give us confidence. Lord, above all, let your love just saturate us, overwhelm us. We receive it now. Let your love overflow into others' lives so that we can be part of the mission of God, part of the movement that you're trying to produce in Austin and around the nation and around the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen.